0: morning good morning good, and welcome to our series on love is uh we're in our sixth week of eight week series about what love's all about i want to thank my wife for last two weeks talking to us about love limits uh boundaries in relationships and also how love speaks and how to resolve conflicts um thank you for being so powerful and practical in your messages uh carrie you did an amazing job thank you so much <clears throat> You know, as, as we jump back into this, it's important for us to ask the question, why? Why are we doing a series on relationships? Is it because your relationships are broken? My relationships are broken? That could be the case. But the reason we're doing this relationship series is really it's not for me or it's not for you. It's for them. And what I mean by that is this. Jesus said... He said, if you will love one another as I have loved you, all the world will know, everyone will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. One of the greatest evidences that we have been born again is how we treat the people closest to us. One of the first things that changed in my life when I got saved was how I treated my brother and how I treated my parents. My brother and I were enemies. We hated one another. We cursed at one another. We physically beat each other up. Actually, I was the one that got beat up. (laughs) Because he was 6'4 and I was a lot shorter and all of that. But the moment I got saved, my heart towards him changed. And when my heart was changed, what came out of my mouth also changed. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart... Your mouth speaks. I began to respect my parents in ways that I hadn't respected them before. Oh, I would respect them right in front of their face. But behind their back, I'm thinking, I can't wait to get out of this house. (laughs) Come on. How many of you have been there? You understand? So, So what happens is, is everybody is watching. The world is watching how we love those closest to us. Husbands, if we don't love our wives different than the world loves their wife, then what do we have for them to offer? What do we have to offer them? Right. Right. Teenagers, if if you don't respect your parents and obey your parents differently than the world that's watching, obeys their parents and honors them, then then why would the world want to come and say, you know what, I want this Jesus who changes your life? And that's why this is so important. That's why we do a series on relationships. It's not so we can be happy, happy, happy. It's so we can accomplish our mission in the earth. So we can really be a different, transformed people. We love differently. And everybody goes, they've got something I don't have because I can't love my wife like that. Are you with me this morning? So the text that we're looking at is, of course, in John chapter thirteen and verse thirty-four. Let's just quickly review it this morning. John thirteen thirty-four. Jesus said, "A new command I give you: Love one another." And he's talking to his eleven disciples, those closest to him. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the big question that we've been asking for six weeks is how did Jesus love those closest to him? How did he love them? One of those who was close to him was the apostle Peter or the disciple Peter. And Peter wrote about this kind of love that Jesus had for him. And he wrote about it. And I want I want to look at it here in just a moment. But the context of what Peter is saying is is the context of judgment. How many of you know that not only is God love, but God is just? How many of you know that Jesus is coming back to the earth, not as a lamb, but as a lion? And when he comes back, the Bible says that he is going to judge the earth. That's something we don't talk about much and we put it off and we think, well, you know, he said he's gonna come back and he said he's gonna judge, but you know, I don't know if that's really going to happen. Well, that's what Peter is talking about. That's the context going on. They're they're skeptical about God coming back to judge the earth. They're skeptical about God's promise to come back and do that. And Peter says this in second Peter chapter three, verse nine, he says this the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, watch this, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Today we're talking about love waits, love waits. How love is patient. Go back to that scripture for just a moment, if you would. Jesus, how many of you know, was patient with us? Therefore, we get to be patient with one another. He is patient with you. Why? Because he doesn't want any one of us to perish. He doesn't want any of us to come under judgment. So God is patient with us because he doesn't want us to be judged. He doesn't want us to suffer the consequences of our sin. He wants us to repent of our sin. Therefore, God is patient with us. God waits. God waits. I am so glad that God waited for me to repent. I'm glad he didn't say at year 15 of my life, "Okay, I've been waiting 15 years. I've had enough. I'm glad he waited 16 years because at age 16 is when I gave my life to God. It's when I came to this place called repentance or change of mind. How long did Jesus wait for you? Some of you are going, well, I was 46 years old or it was last week. Or it was most of my life, God patiently waited for me to change. And Jesus said, in the same way I have loved you, I have waited for you to change. You have to wait for other people to change. You have to wait for other people to grow up. You can't expect that to happen right now. You see, in the Bible, spiritual growth is described in botanical terms. Okay, Plants, trees, right? Agricultural terms. Why is that? I think God knows and he wanted us to know that change takes time. And time takes patience, right? That's why in the Bible you read that Jesus says, I am the vine and you're the branches. We read that the Bible is described like a seed and our hearts are described like soil and all of this growing and all this botanical stuff. If you will, is going on. Why? Because God wants us to understand that change or repentance takes time. Therefore, love waits. If we are going to love one another, we have to learn how to wait. If you love someone, you will wait. You will wait to have sex before you're married, you will wait to have sex when you're married. All the couples are going, hmm, what do I do with that? Come back in a couple weeks, we'll talk more. If you love someone, you will wait for them. You will wait for them to change their mind. You will wait for them to grow up, right? We put expectations on people all the time. And when they don't meet our expectations, and usually it's about them meeting a need or a want in our life, when they don't meet that need or meet that want, then we get disappointed, we get impatient. Right? A lot of times we get impatient with other people because we're, we're in our heart of hearts, we're really impatient with ourselves. We're just as frustrated with me. Right? I'm not growing fast enough. I'm not growing quick enough, right? My wife isn't growing. Qu- My kids aren't growing quick enough. Aren't they going to get it? Why do we keep talking about the same thing over and over and over again? That's why we have to understand this morning that love waits. Love waits. We wait because Jesus waits for us. We talked earlier in the series about really the whole the whole, um thing that we 're reaching for in our close relationships is, is healthy connection. Remember that? We're either fighting for disconnection or, or space, or we're fighting for connection, nearness in our relationships. Another word for fighting for connection is fighting for intimacy intimacy. A great way to define intimacy is into me, see. If you desire to have intimacy with someone, you have to allow them into me. See, you have to let them see into you. You have to agree Two people agree that, you know what? I am going to let you see who I really am. You cannot have intimacy without that realness. Intimacy is being completely known and accepted, and completely knowing and accepting in return. Jesus had these, this intimacy, if you will, kind of relationship with his disciples. He told them secrets. How many of you tell your closest friends Secrets. Right. Jesus told his closest friends secrets. He told them secrets about the kingdom. He told them secrets about when he was going to die and when he was going to rise from the dead. He told them things. He told them even how he was feeling. He let them in and he said, you know what? He said, I he said, I f- I feel uh, that my soul is in anguish. I I, I feel terrible right now. Could you just be with me right now? I just feel miserable. He told that to his disciples. He let them in. And I believe that intimacy is what Jesus had in mind when he said, Love one another as I have loved you. Most of us are scared to death of intimacy. And and we know it's because uh, we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of rejection. We have convinced ourselves that we're really unworthy of being loved. And nobody would ever love the real me. So hiding the real me is the only option. Reminds me of the man who goes to the doctor and he complains about suffering from this constant gas that he was having. By the way, everybody has gas. Did you know that? So he goes to the doctor. Doctor, I'm suffering with this constant gas. Can you help me? And then he says to the doctor, the funny thing is, Doc, is is that my gas, it doesn't make any noise and it doesn't have any odor and the doctor looks at him honestly and he says really well the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get you a pair of hearing aids and then we're going to find out what's wrong with your nose you know <laughs> we're afraid we're afraid what are people going to think if i stink What if they, what if they know, you know, it's it's this funny thing. How many of you, how many of you remember if you're married, maybe you remember the dating years, right? When, when, um, you know, um, you do everything to hold the gas in. (laughs) And I, I know it's funny, but it's this thing that it happens to all of us, but we don't talk about it. Because, you know, if people really, you know, know that I, I have gas like everybody else, you know, I don't know if they're going to accept me anymore. It's a weird thing, but it's so true. So these intimacy moments can be very, very risky business. Uh, I I think I've told the story before when I was Carrie and I were dating. um, We were driving along and and I asked her, you know, a a deep question. And I thought, man, I'm going to. You know, this is this relationship is going so well. We're getting to know each other. Let's take it to a whole new level of intimacy. And so I asked her the question. I said, if there's anything you would change about me, what would you change? And I thought she would say, Oh, there's nothing. You're absolutely amazing, wonderful. I wouldn't change anything about you. You know, you're my knight in shining armor. Instead, she's like honest with me. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want you to be honest with me. Don't be truthful. And she says, I would change the fact that you're so insecure. How about that? That was a great date that night. I was ready to take her home, drop her off. Thanks for nothing, right? (laughs) Say something nice. She wasn't afraid of truth. I was. Right? But when she spoke the truth, now we have this moment. What are we going to do with this into me see conversation? Is it going to pull us apart Or is it going to pull us together, right? What are we going to do with that moment? In that moment, I had the opportunity to reject her and she had the opportunity to reject me. Instead, we unpacked that thing. We talked about the why. I admitted, okay, you're right. How did you know? Do you have the gift of discernment or something, you know? (laughs) Let me ask you a very powerful question. Are the secrets your spouse knows about you reasons for shame or reasons for bringing you closer? Are the secrets your spouse or your friend or your parent, the secrets they know about you, are they reasons for shame in your relationship or reasons for drawing you closer? Can I tell you Jesus's most intimate moment with Peter was not after he walked on the water. Or did something amazing. His most intimate moment with Peter. Was after he had denied him three times. Jesus had the opportunity to shame Peter. Peter you really let me down. I am so ashamed of you. And what you have done. I can't believe after three years, after three years of me pouring my life into you, revealing who I am, you deny me three times. Shame on you, Peter. He had the opportunity to shame Peter. He had the opportunity to push him away, but instead Jesus drew him near. And Jesus asked him a very intimate question. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said something just as profound. Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. How many of you know Jesus knew that Peter loved him even when Peter failed in his greatest moment of temptation? Peter loved him at that moment that he denied God. But Jesus said, I'm waiting for you, Peter. I'm not giving up on you. It's my will that you should not perish, but that you should come to repentance. So I'm going to be patient with you, Peter. See, love waits. And in those moments where, where somebody fails and somebody screws up really bad, we have the opportunity to shame them or we have the opportunity to love them and to be patient with them and to have an into me see conversation with them. Are you with me this morning? I have in my office and at restaurants and and in people's homes, I have sat down with couples who have experienced some of the greatest failures in their marriage. I've sat down with couples who were where somebody either confessed or somebody got caught pornography or adultery. And I have seen God do some of the greatest miracles in those marriages I have seen in those moments where there could be tremendous shame, I have seen incredible intimacy take place. You see, when somebody confesses their sin or their sin is found out, you have an an opportunity right in that moment to love them unconditionally and allow an intimacy moment to take place. And I've seen this happen over and over again in marriages. And it really depends on how the offended spouse is going to respond. Will that 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 wounded person, will that offended spouse, will they respond like Jesus and say, you know what? I'm going to be patient with you because I don't want you to perish. I want you to come to repentance. How many of you know in Romans, Jesus, the Bible says this, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance It's not you. You should have done this. You should know better. What were you thinking? Hey, we've got to be real about how it makes us feel when somebody else wounds us. But we also have to make it a safe place where that person can continue to give us those into me see conversations. Are you with me this morning? Are the secrets... Your friends or your parents know about you, reasons for shame or reasons for drawing you close. My son came home one day, my oldest son, Levi. He came home one day. This was three years ago. He says, Dad, I have some secrets I need to tell you. Can we go for a drive? So we got in the car and we went for a drive. And he began to unpack these secrets, these things that he had been hiding For about a year. From his parents. From everybody. And he began to unpack these things. And I could have at that point said. Shame on you Levi. You're the pastor's son. You should be perfect. Not a good idea. So I listened. And I loved. And I I affirmed. I affirmed him as my son. And I loved him as my son. And I thanked him for being so real. And so transparent. And I said. Levi how are you able to be so real with me. And he had just come back. He had just come back from an unplugged retreat. And it was at that retreat where God became real to him. And listen, friends, when God becomes real to you and his love becomes so real to you, you can become real with other people and you have nothing to hide. And here's the reason. I want you to see this next scripture this morning. Here's the reason right here. It's found in 1 John. There is no fear... In what? But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let me just stop there. Most of us communicate out of fear. Most of us are afraid to say what's really going on because we're afraid of how people are going to uh, reject us or accept us. Isn't that true? He was able to be real, my son, because God's love had become real to him. And I wonder what it would look like if we could start having more of those fearless conversations with one another. Or we could really be honest about what's going on. To reach the the intimacy kind of relationships, we have to apply love weights to how we communicate with one another. I want to talk about communication for just a little bit. Carrie talked about it quite a bit. I want to just touch on it again. And let's just simply, let's, let's have a simple definition of what communication is, okay? Communication... Is expressing what's going on inside of our hearts. Jesus said this. I quoted it earlier. For out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. If you want to know what's going on inside your own heart. Listen to what comes out of your mouth. If you want to know what's going on in someone else's heart. Listen to what comes out of their mouth. That's why Jesus was really good at reading people's hearts, because he would listen to what's coming out of their mouth. And what happens is, is if we have fear in our hearts, then what comes out of our mouth will be designed to hide what's really going on inside of our hearts. Are you with me? If there's fear inside, you will communicate in a different way. You will communicate with, with the reserve, with this, this shield over your heart. And when we communicate out of fear, we do it in one of three ways. We do it either passively, we do it aggressively... Or we do it passive aggressively. And all three of those styles of communication are really motivated by fear. And I love what Danny Silk in his book says, or in his book called Keep Your Love On. He describes these three styles of communication. And I want to share those with you this morning. He describes passive communicators as this. Passive communicators, they attempt to convince the world and everyone else that everyone else is more important than they are. Their core belief is, you matter, and I don't. Passive communicators, when they are faced with a joint decision in a relationship, the passive person insists that the other person's feelings, thoughts, and needs matter more. Passive communicators say things like this, Oh, whatever you want. Or they say, Oh, it really didn't hurt. Right? I'm fine. I'm okay. Those are passive communicators. They portray themselves as as long suffering, patient servants who keep the peace and don't ever make problems. They think it's right to have no needs or requirements in the relationship. But in in reality, he writes, they are just lying cowards. They lie because they're afraid, afraid of what? Afraid of what you will do if you find out if they have real needs. Passive people, they don't communicate about their needs. They're always meeting everybody else's needs. And they're afraid if they tell you what they need, you're going to go, oh my goodness. Um, I'm sorry, but that's just too much for me. I'm sorry, I don't think I can have this relationship with a needy person. Are you with me this morning? Aggressive communicators, I think we know what they're like. They're like the Tyrannosaurus Rex. They're the T-Rex in the relationship. And his or her core belief is I matter and you don't. (laughs) Aggressive communicators know how to get what they want. They are large and in charge. uh, Because they are the loudest and the scariest ones in the room. Danny Silk says this. He says, if we were to line up uh, a communication food chain, it would look like this. The aggressive communicator, would, the T-Rex, would be at the top. And the passive communicator would be the cowering goat at the bottom of the food chain. Remember Jurassic Park? Okay. The craziest thing happens, though. The T-Rex and the goat somehow end up in the same relationship together. How in the world does this happen? Simple. They both agree on something. The T-Rex matters and the goat doesn't. And this communication dynamic sends anxiety through the roof. And why is that? Because unequal value and power balance entirely eliminates intimacy in the relationship It can only be a relationship of survival. The T-Rex will get what what he needs by taking it. And the goat will only get what she needs by giving away body parts to the Rex, the T-Rex. And in the end, the goat goat will no longer exist and the T-Rex will still be hungry. Those are some powerful analogies to how we sometimes communicate with each other. Out of fear. Does this describe your relationship with people close to you? Passive-aggressive communicators are the most devious of the fear-based communication styles. Passive-aggressive communicators, their core belief is, you matter, but no, not really. They manipulate and they control through deceit and subtle forms of punishment. To your face, they say, whatever you need, absolutely. Absolutely. Then afterwards, and after you have a little disagreement, they head outside and they key your car. (laughs) The passive-aggressive communicator is famous for veiled threats, manipulative use of scripture, judgments that come in the form of counsel and withholding love. Passive-aggressive communicators. Danny Silk describes them as chocolate-covered dragons. Sometimes women are attracted to men who appear charming and romantic. They flatter them incessantly, and they are just simply too good to be true. And it's usually because they're not true. And it's not until women get into this relationship a little deeper with passive-aggressive men that they learn that they are actually chocolate-covered dragons, Once the nice facade is gone, they become vicious manipulators who discount women's thoughts and feelings, and they are often jealous of anything the woman does that doesn't evolve around them. How many of you believe that's true? Don't raise your hand if you're in that relationship. We're going to pray for all of us after the service. All three of these communication styles are the result of being afraid of telling the truth. They're afraid of truth. They're afraid of being totally real with what their needs are. So they control, they manipulate, they're large and in charge, or they're very passive. All of them are fear-based. If people really know who I am, if they really know what my needs are, they're going to reject me. They're going to punish me. And I'm going to be alone. Now... There's another type of communicator this morning that all of us would like to become, and that's what's called an assertive communicator. An assertive, say that with me, assertive communicator, okay? The core belief of an assertive communicator is you matter, and so do I. You matter, and so do I. My thoughts, feelings, and needs matter, and so do yours. Assertive communicators refuse to have a relationship or conversation where both people do not have high equal value. They are not afraid of showing the other person what is going on inside them. They insist on having two powerful people in the relationship. Two people who are not afraid to say, this is what I need, this is what I need. This is how I feel, this is how I feel. Two powerful people, two assertive communicators, telling the truth about what's going on inside of them. They refuse to turn into a T-Rex or a goat, and they confront people if they see them slipping into those roles. That is assertive communication, and that is the will of God, my friend. So which one are you most like? Are you like the goats? Are you like the T-Rex? Maybe you're like the chocolate covered dragon. I don't know. And you might ask this morning, well, pastor, that's all fine and dandy. But what does this have to do with love weights? It has everything to do with love weights. Remember the scripture where Peter said, the Lord is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance, all to come to change. I have a question this morning. Is it possible for the T-Rex to change? Some would say, oh, once a T-Rex, always a T-Rex. But that's not what my Bible teaches me. My Bible says that there's nothing impossible for God. My Bible says that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. My Bible says it's possible for us to renew our minds and change our thinking and change our behavior and change how we communicate with with one another. It's possible to wait for one another to for change. So it's possible for the T-Rex to change. It's possible for the goat to change. I have a question this morning. What if. What if the goat went to the T-Rex one day and said, you know what? I feel like I'm a goat in this relationship and you're the T-Rex. I feel like I'm always giving parts of myself away, but you're never satisfied. How many of you have ever had that conversation with your spouse? I've got my hand. I'm the only person with my hand up. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. Move on. Next question. I think Carrie and I have had several conversations like that, several over the years. And one of them was back in 2008. I told you about it a few weeks ago. We were driving back from Springfield, Missouri. We had this strategic planning retreat all about the church and the future. And we're driving back. And she says to me something. It was one of those into me see conversations. Right. And she says to me, she goes, you know what? My role in the church, I want you to know I'm she said, um, I'm done. I'm done. You're on your own. You're on your own. And, and I was shocked. I didn't know where that came from. It was one of those moments. In, in so many ways, she was saying this. She was saying, I feel like the goat in the relationship. And I feel like you're the T-Rex. And if something doesn't change here, there's not going to be anything of me left. Now, when she said that, let me ask you this. Do you think immediately I was in agreement with her that I was the T-Rex? Do you think I went, oh, yes. That's confirmation. I've been feeling like a T-Rex lately. Were we in immediate agreement? No. Did we come up with an immediate agreement solution and plan for change? No. Love waits. She waited for me to get it. It took conversation after conversation, after conversation, after before I began to see, before I began to understand. Are you with me this morning? We have to understand that the goal of communication is not Agreement. The goal of communication is understanding. And to understand one another, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. A lot of times we feel like the goal should be agreement. Well, we got to be in agreement all the time on everything, all the time on everything. And if we don't have an agreement in our relationship, I'm so insecure that he's going to leave me. Because we don't completely agree on everything. Wrong goal. Your goal should be understanding one another. When you do, God will help you come to agreement on the things that really matter. (laughs) Okay? Love waits because Jesus waited for us. Can I tell you this morning that um, Jesus, even himself, he really sought to understand what people were thinking and what they were feeling. He did seek to understand before trying to be understood. His disciples would ask him a question and oftentimes he would answer the question like this. How do you see it? How do you see it? He was saying, I want to know how you feel about this. I want to know what you're thinking. Before I want you to know how I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, Jesus sought to understand before trying to be, to be understood. And he understood that we have to be patient with one another for that to happen. We can't have intimacy without understanding. We can't have understanding without love waits. Love waits. I am so glad Jesus waited for me. I am so glad that it's possible for the goat, the T-Rex, and the chocolate-covered dragon to change. I'm so glad, and I'm a, I'm a living proof of that. And sometimes I still slip into the passive mode when I really, I don't want to tell somebody, I don't want to tell my wife what my needs are, because I'm afraid she's going to go, you need that? What? What's wrong with you? I don't need that. Why should you need that? How many of you are with me? Right. See, sometimes I slip into passive mode. Sometimes I slip into aggressive mode. Here's what we're going to do. I don't say, how do you feel about? Here's what we're going to (laughs) do, right? Sometimes I'm a manipulator. Sometimes I slip into that chocolate covered dragon, right? And I'm being all nice. And my wife's like, what do you want? (laughs) What's going on, right? God is able to change us. He's able to turn us into that assertive communicator. And in a way that we can come to a place of true intimacy when, in a way in which the world will look and go, how come you don't talk to your wife like I talk to my wife? Right? Because love waits. Love waits. We're going to wrap up this morning. If the worship team would come. I want to talk to perhaps many of you, perhaps a dozen of you this morning. I don't know. But I know this, that God has been waiting for some of you because He loves you. And that's what love does. Love waits. He doesn't want you to perish, He doesn't want you to suffer the consequences of of sin. Some of you are, are living in a sinful lifestyle today. You know that you are, and right now you're getting away with it. And you're thinking, you know what? I can have both. And today, God loves you. I want you to know he loves you and he's patient with you and he doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want the consequences of your sin to blow up in your face. He doesn't want to see you spend eternity in in hell without him. He doesn't want to see your marriage wrecked. He doesn't want to see your life wrecked. So he's been patient with you for this day today. Why? He doesn't want you to perish. We want you to come to the place of repentance change your mind this morning about your sin change your mind this morning and say you know what god i realize that you have been patient with me you've been waiting for me god you haven't you, you've covered this you've allowed this to be covered for so long but god i know that one day my sin will find me out because that's what the bible says I know that one day God is not slow in keeping his promises. One day he will return and he will judge. But he's holding off. He's he's staying that judgment. He's withholding judgment in your life right now because he's waiting for you to repent. He's waiting for you to change. And this is your day of repentance. This is the day where, where you can not only receive the mercy of God, which you have already experienced, but you can receive the grace of God. His undeserved favor. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. And when that happens, friends, you can have those into me see moments with God like you've never had. You can have that closeness with Him you've never had. Some of you today, you need that. I want you to bow your heads with me. You're here this morning, and your pastor. I've, I, I have been running. I have been hiding. I have been living in sin. And I know God has been patient with me. And today, I realize why. He's given me an opportunity to repent, to change. And I want to do that right now. Your heads are bowed between you and Jesus right now. Repent. 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 Come to Jesus. Tell him. Tell him how you feel about your sin. Tell him how you want to get rid of it. Tell him you need forgiveness this morning. And allow him to remove that sin from your heart, from your life. Allow him to set you free today. Just take a few moments. Pray to him today. Confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Thank you for waiting, God. Thank you for waiting on us. Lord, we bless you. We bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. One last scripture I want to share with you as we dismiss... We could pull that scripture up on the screen this morning. It's found in Ephesians chapter four, verse one. The Bible says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, in love. Would you stand with me today? Lord, help us to wait like you waited for us. Help us to wait for one another. Help us to be patient, bearing with one another in love. As each one of us are on this journey of repentance and this journey of change. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating how to love. Help us this week to be patient with one another. Amen. 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 I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come. If you're here today and you would like prayer, Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. There's many nations represented here today. We're so glad you're here. If you'd like us to pray with you, please come. If you're not sure if you're right with God today, we want you to come. We want to pray with you today as well. God's been patient with you. Amen? Love waits. Love waits. Let's not be in a rush with our love. God bless you and have a great week.